Hello, and welcome to another episode of Nostalgic Mystery Radio. I'm your host, Stevie Kay, and it's my honor to bring you the radio shows of yesteryear. For this episode, I bring you Agatha Christie's Miss Marple in A Murder is Announced, where the villagers of Chipping Claghorn are summoned by a newspaper notice to the house of Letitia Blacklock, anticipating a murder game. But things become too real when someone is shot dead. This will be a five-part series. So sit back and relax, and I hope you enjoy this Nostalgic Mystery Radio. Thank you for listening. I was staying at the Royal Spa Hotel in Mednam Wells when I noticed an announcement in one of the local papers, the Chipping Cleghorn Gazette, that a murder would take place at Little Paddock's at 6.30pm. Quite naturally, everyone thought it was a joke, and the neighbours called at the house expecting a game of murder. But it was not a game, and the masked intruder who burst into the drawing-room that evening was soon dead on the floor. Was it suicide? Or an accident? Or was it something far more complicated? We present June Whitfield as Miss Marple in Agatha Christie's A Murder is Announced. This is a list of the people who were in Little Paddocks at the time of the shooting. I've made a copy for you. How very thoughtful of you, Dermot. As you can see, there were six people living in the house. Miss Blacklock herself and her companion, Dora Bunner. How long has she been, her companion? Only about six months, I think. They were old school friends and hadn't seen one another for years. Miss Bunner, it seems, had rather fallen on hard times and was finding it difficult to make ends meet, just on her old age pension, and her health had given way. She wrote to Miss Blacklock. It must have been a kind of cry for help. And Miss Blacklock simply swooped down and carried her off to Little Paddocks, telling her that she needed someone to help run the house. She's rather a muddle-headed, pathetic creature. Completely devoted to Miss Blacklock, as you might expect. And... Patrick and Julia Simmons are Miss Blacklock's nephew and niece, I take it. Well, they're actually second cousins, even though they do call her Aunt Letty. They've been living there for a couple of months. As far as I can tell, they're more sort of paying guests than anything else. Patrick's studying for an engineering degree. At first, Miss Blacklock seemed to think that he'd dreamt the whole thing up as a kind of practical joke, but he strongly denies having anything to do with it at all and swears he never saw Rudy shirts in his life. <laughs> and the other one, Julia? Uh, she's training as a dispenser at Milchester General Hospital. Very composed she is, and seemed more annoyed than anything else when I talked to her. It was all rather like a bad film, really quite stupid. Just as the clock chimed half-past six... All the lights went out, and a masked figure came in and shouted, Stick em up, guys, or something of that sort. And suddenly he fired two shots, and it wasn't quite so silly anymore. The man had a torch, I understand. Yes. He shone it straight at us. It was terribly dazzling. Did he hold the torch steady, or did he move it about? He moved it, like a spotlight in a dance hall. Hmm. It was full in my eyes, and then it went slowly round the room. And suddenly there were two shots. And then? He whirled round and fell on the floor. And Mitzi began screeching like a banshee from the dining room. She was locked in, I think. Do you think the man shot himself deliberately, or do you think he stumbled and the gun went off accidentally? I haven't the faintest idea. The whole thing was so stagey. 
Actually, I thought it was still some stupid joke until somebody flicked on a lighter and I saw the blood streaming from Aunt Letty's ear. But even if you were going to fire a gun to make the hold-up look more real, you'd be careful to aim it away from somebody's head, wouldn't you? Do you think he could see clearly who he was firing at? Was Miss Blacklock outlined in the light of his torch? I have no idea. I wasn't looking at her. I was looking at the man. What I'm getting at is, do you think he was deliberately aiming at her? I shouldn't have thought so. After all, if he just wanted to take a pot shot at Aunt Letty, there would be heaps of easier opportunities. Why get in all the friends and neighbours, when he could just have shot at her from behind a hedge and probably got away with it? One has to admit she has a point. If he wanted to commit a murder, it was an extraordinary way of going about it. Yeah. And who is Philippa Hames, another cousin? Oh, no, no, she's no relation. She's a war widow from rather a good family, I believe. She's got a boy who's at prep school and she's working as a gardener at Dares Hall, about a mile away from Little Paddock's. Miss Blacklock let her have a room. She's rather sorry for her, I think. She was working in the orchard at the hall when I went to talk to her. I'd been working late, making the most of the light while it lasted. I got in about half past five. And you went in by which door? The one at the side. It saved you going round. My boots were too muddy to come in at the front. Was the door unlocked? Yes. During the summer, it's usually wide open. This time of year, it's shut, but not locked. I locked it when I got in. Do you always do that? I've been doing it since it started to get dark at around six. Miss Blacklock goes out to shut up the ducks last thing, but she usually goes out through the kitchen door. Uh, and what did you do when you got in? I kicked off my muddy boots and went up and had a bath. Uh, when I came down, I found a kind of party in progress. That was the first I'd heard about the stunt in the paper. Did you get a look at the face of the dead man? Yes, I did. Was he known to you? Had you seen him before? No, never. You hadn't seen him when he came round to the house previously? No. I believe he came in the middle of the morning. At that time, I'm always working here. Sorry, I can't be of more help. And what about the girl, Mitzi? Does she have another name? Um, not one that I'd like to try to pronounce. She's Middle European. A refugee. Came over here at the beginning of the war. She suffers from persecution mania, which is perfectly understandable, and is also a tremendous liar, or so I'm told. When I saw in the paper saying there was going to be a murder, I wanted to go away. But she would not let me. I knew what would happen. I knew I should be murdered. But you weren't murdered, were you? No, but I could have been. She should not have made me stay. She is a hard woman. Why don't you just tell me what happened? All that evening, I hear things. People moving about. Once, I think someone is in the hall, moving very quietly. Mm. But it is just that Mrs. Hames coming in through the side door. She is like a Nazi herself with her blonde hair and her blue eyes and always looking at me as if I am dirt. Uh, le let's leave Mrs. Hames out of this, shall we? Who does she think she is? Does she have a degree in economics like I have? <laughs> no, she is just a paid labourer. Who is she to call herself a lady? I, I said leave her out of it. Mm, mm. I, I want you to tell me what happened. Oh, I take the sherry and the glasses and the cheese straws and little pastries I made so nice mm -hmm. into the drawing room. Yes. Then the bell rings and I answer the door. Again and again I answer the door. Mm. It is degrading, but I do it. And then I go back into the kitchen and I polish the silver. And I make sure that I have a big carving knife with me if anyone comes to kill me. Very foresighted of you. And then suddenly, 
I hear shots. I run through the dining room, but the door, it will not open. I am shut in there like a rat in a trap. I scream and scream and I beat on the door. Then they turn the key and let me out. And the lights come on and I see the blood and the dead body lying there. I have seen so many dead bodies. I couldn't get any more out of her. Nothing of any use, anyway. And as for all the visitors, you've got their statements there. Colonel Easterbrook lectured me for half an hour on the psychology of the criminal. Miss Hinchliffe, manly is probably the best way to describe her, talked about her pigs most of the time. And Mrs Harmon, that's the vicar's wife, oh. had her eyes tied shut because she didn't like being dazzled. Mrs Harmon? Not Diana Harmon, by any chance? Yes, I, I think that's her name. Her husband calls her Bunch. <laughs> her mother is a very old friend of mine. Bunch is by way of being an honorary niece. Anyway, all the witnesses seem to agree on the basic facts of the matter. They saw a masked man with a revolver and a torch come through the door, and he said something like, hold up your hands, and then they saw... Oh, but surely, Dermot, surely they couldn't actually have seen anything at all. If I understand rightly, there wasn't any light in the hall or on the landing. That's right. And so if a man stood in the doorway and flashed a powerful torch in their faces, they wouldn't be able to see anything but the torch, would they? Why didn't I think of that? Well, when some of them say they saw a masked man waving a gun, they are merely recapitulating from what they saw afterwards when the light came on. So it all fits in with my assumption that Rudy Schertz was the fall guy. Fall guy, Aunt Jane? Well, I, I may have got the term wrong. I'm not very clear about Americanisms. <laughs> I got it from one of Mr. Dashiell Hammett's stories. Uh. A fall guy, as I understand it, means someone who will be blamed for a crime rarely committed by somebody else. Poor Rudy Schertz seems to have been exactly the right type for that rather stupid and probably extremely credulous. You mean somebody persuaded him to go in and take pot shots at a room full of people? I think that he was told it was a joke. He was paid for doing it, of course. Paid to put the advertisement in the paper and check out the house, and then, on the night in question, to put on a cloak and mask, throw open the door and shout, stick him up, or whatever he's supposed to have said. And fire off a revolver? Oh, no. He never had a gun. But everyone said... Oh, I see what you mean. Exactly. No one could possibly have seen a revolver, even if he had one. And I don't think that he had. After he called out, stick em up, somebody came up quietly behind him and fired those two shots over his shoulder. It must have frightened him to death. He swung round, and as he did so, the other person shot him and then dropped the revolver beside him. Mm. What kind of a gun was it? Um, it, it, was a, it was a German make. Oh, that doesn't mean anything nowadays, surely. The country is full of all makes of guns brought back from the war. Oh, that's true enough. But, but who is this mysterious Mr X who came up in the darkness? You'll have to talk to Miss Blacklock about that. She said the whole idea was nonsense. Yes. But that was about Rudy Schertz trying to kill her. Ask if there might not be someone else. Someone out of the past, perhaps? There's also the possibility that there was someone inside the house working with Rudy Schertz, or pretending to him that they were. 
More questions, Inspector? A few, I'm afraid, Miss Blacklock, but first there's something I have to tell you. Rudy Schertz was not the son of the proprietor of the Hotel des Alpes at Montreux. He seems to have begun his career as a hospital orderly in Bern. He was suspected of taking items of jewellery from the patients, but nothing was proved. Then he took another job, under another name, as a waiter in one of the winter sports hotels where his speciality seems to have been making out fake bills. Oh, I see. He then went on to a department store in Zurich where there was a noticeable increase in items that went missing. A picker-up of unconsidered trifles, in fact. Then I was right in thinking I'd never met him. Oh, quite right. I expect he happened to overhear someone mention your name when you went to have lunch at the Royal Spa Hotel and pretended to recognise you. Yes, but why come out here when there were much richer pickings at the hotel? And why go through all that pantomime about a murder being announced? It was well, a warning to you, Letty. I thought that myself at the time. I knew it wasn't a joke. I was frightened. And Mitzi was frightened, too. Ah, Mitzi. Yeah, I'd like to know rather more about that young woman. <laughs> well, there's nothing even remotely suspicious about Mitzi. Her papers were properly in order. So were those of Rudy Schertz. Has it occurred to you that they might have been working together? And that there may have been somebody behind both of them? Oh, the whole idea is perfectly ridiculous. Why should anybody want to murder me? And as far as Mitzi is concerned, I think you've got an anti-foreigner complex. I'd still like to have a word with her, if I may. Well, I can hardly stop you, can I? But if she flounces out and locks herself in a room, I've a good mind to make you cook dinner. Oh, can't you go and suspect somebody else? I tell you before, I locked the front door at half past four. It was no use locking the side door because Miss Blakelock had not yet gone out to shut up the ducks. Mrs. Hames says she locked that door when she came in at 5.30. And you believe her? Why shouldn't I believe her? Oh, I think she was very careful not to lock it. And what do you mean by that? That young man, he does not work alone. He knows where to come and that when he comes, a door will be left open for him. Are you suggesting that Mrs. Oh, Hayes what is the use? You will not believe me. I am just a foreign refugee who tells lies. But <clears throat> that fair-haired, blue-eyed English lady, she does not tell lies. Oh, I could tell you. Mitzi could tell you. Tell me what? What would you say if I told you that after the young man comes and asks Miss Blakelock for money and she sends him away with a flea in the ear... I hear him talking afterwards with Mrs. Hames in the summer house. You couldn't hear what was said in the summer house from here. Aha! But you see, Mr. Policeman, I went out to gather nettles. It makes a very nice vegetable. And I hear them talking in there. He say to her, but where can I hide? And she say, I will show you. And then she say, at a quarter past six... And I think, so that is how you behave, you nice English lady. I know what you want with the young men. But now I know that it was not the loving she planned, but to rob and murder. Are you sure it was really shirt she was talking to? Of course I am sure. And now I have told you we will say it is all lies. Oh, get I... out of my kitchen. What? How can I get ready the lunch? Get out. Go. No, Inspector. What? Not that door. It doesn't open. You want the next one to the left to get into the drawing room. Ah. As a matter of fact, we used to have the hall table against it, but then we moved it over to the other wall. When did you move it? Oh, quite recently. About ten days ago, I think. 
It was because of Philippa's flower arrangement. Mrs. Hames? Yes, she does them so beautifully. It was a big vase with the most wonderful autumn colours. And she said it would look much better against the bare wall than the panels of the door, so it was moved. I see. What's the point of having two doors to the same room? Originally, there were two rooms, but they knocked down the wall of the little sitting room to make it one big drawing room. Ah. We didn't need two doors, so this one is fastened up. Do you mean it is nailed up, Miss Bunner? No, it's just locked and bolted. With this bolt? Oh. It moves very easily. When was this door last open? Oh, not for years, I should think. Is there a key? Yes. It would be in the hall table. That's where all the keys are kept. Oh, quite an assortment. They should all be labelled. There you are. Little sitting room. Thank you. Oh, do be careful. There may be something resting against it on the other side. We never open it. Don't you? This door's been opened quite recently. The lock's been oiled. So have the hinges. But who would have done that? Do you think it could have something to do with the other night? You see what this means, don't you, Miss Blacklock? When the lights went out, anybody in this room could have slipped out through that door and come up behind Rudy Shirts and fired at you. Without being seen or heard or noticed? Exactly. And you believe that one of the people who was in this room, one of my nice neighbours, slipped out and tried to murder me? But tell me why. I was rather hoping that you would be able to explain that. <laughs> I can't. I assure you I can't. Well, let's approach it from another angle. Who would get your money if you were to die? Patrick and Julia. Apart from the furniture which I've left to Dora, along with a small annuity. But really, I haven't got very much to leave. Certainly not worth someone murdering me for. And I can't believe that Patrick and Julia are that hard up. Do you know that for a fact? Well, they've never said so to me. Someday, I might be worth murdering, but not now. What do you mean by that, Miss Blacklock? Simply that one day, quite soon, possibly, I may be a very rich woman. You see, for many years I was the secretary and close associate of Randall Girdler. He was rather before your time, I expect, but you've mm. probably heard of him. He, he was a millionaire, I believe, many times over. Yes, that's right. When he died in 1938, he was a very rich man indeed. And since he had no children, he left his fortune in trust for his wife during her lifetime... And after that, to me, absolutely. Uh -huh. So, you see, Inspector, for the last 12 years, I've had an excellent motive for murdering Mrs. Girdler. Excuse me for asking what may be an indiscreet question, but did Mrs. Girdler resent her husband's disposal of his fortune? <laughs> what you really mean is, was I Randall's mistress? <clears throat> no, I wasn't. He was in love with Belle, his wife, until the day he died. I think it was... Gratitude towards me, not reward for services rendered. Gratitude? Well, in his early days, before he became a big name in the financial world, he once came very close to disaster. He was in the middle of a very daring coup when he suddenly realised he hadn't the necessary funds to tide him over. He desperately needed a few thousand in actual cash. And I came to the rescue. Ah. I had a little money of my own, and I gave him everything I had. It must have taken a good deal of nerve on your part. <laughs> I never thought twice about it. 
The coup came off, and he became an enormously wealthy man. After that, he treated me practically as a junior partner. But then, my father died, and my sister, who was an invalid, was left all on her own. I had to give up everything and go and look after her. Randall died a couple of years later. I didn't really expect him to leave me anything. And I was astounded when I heard that his entire fortune would come to me after his wife's death. I, I really don't think he knew anyone else to leave it to. And where is Mrs Girdler now? She lives up in Scotland. We haven't seen one another for years. You see, I went with my sister to a sanatorium in Switzerland just before the war, and she died out there. Um, I only came back to England a couple of years ago. You said you might be a rich woman very soon. How soon? I heard from the nurse who looks after her that Belle is sinking rapidly. It's a matter of weeks, I believe. So you see, Inspector, if Patrick or Julia wanted to kill me, they'd be crazy not to wait a little while longer. But what happens if you die before, Mrs Girdler? Who does the money go to then? Oh, I've never really thought about it. To Pip and Emma, I suppose. Pip and Emma? Yes, the children of Randall's only close relation, his sister, Sonia. Oh. He quarrelled with her a long time ago and they haven't spoken for years. Why was that? Well, she married a man who Randall thought was a crook and worse... And was he? Oh, very definitely, I should say. Dmitri Stamfordis, a Greek, I think he was, or a Romanian. Very attractive to women, or so I've been told. And Randall Girdler cut his sister out of his will when she married him. Oh, he'd already settled pots of money on her, in such a way that her husband couldn't get his hands on it. And when his lawyers wanted him to put someone in his will, in case of my predeceasing Belle... The only people he could think of were Pip and Emma. And what can you tell me about them? Practically nothing, I'm afraid. Sonia once wrote to Belle telling her that she'd just had twins and that she was calling them Pip and Emma. <laughs> as far as I know, she never wrote again. But Belle may be able to tell you more. So, if one of those bullets had found its mark the other night, Pip and Emma would be in line for a very large fortune. How old would they be now? I'm not sure, I suppose, about 25, 26. Oh, but surely... Uh, I think that somebody shot at you with intent to kill you, and it's possible that this person will try again. I want you to be very careful, Miss Blacklock. One murder has been arranged that didn't come off. I fear that another may be arranged very soon. I didn't expect you back again, Inspector. What is it this time? I'm sorry always to bother you when you're at work, Mrs. Hames, but I thought it might be easier for us to talk away from little paddocks. It all sounds very mysterious. A certain statement was made to me this morning. A statement that concerns you, Mrs. Hames. Well? You told me that Rudy Schertz was quite unknown to you. Yes, that's right. That when you saw his body in the drawing room that night, it was the first time you'd ever set eyes on him. Of course it was. What's all this about? You did not, for instance, have a conversation with him in the summer house at Little Paddocks? In the summer house? Yes, Mrs. Hames. Who says so? I'm told that you had a conversation with this man, Rudy Schertz, and that he asked you where he could hide, and you replied that you would show him. And then a time, a quarter past six, was definitely mentioned. That would have been roughly the time that Schertz would get to Little Paddocks by the bus from Mednam Wells on the evening of the hold-up. I don't know who told you that, but I could hazard a guess. It's a very silly story and very spiteful. For some reason, Mitzi dislikes me even more than she dislikes the others. You deny it? Of course I deny it. 
I never met Rudy Schertz in my life, and I was never near the summer house that morning. I was over here working. Which morning? Every morning. I'm here every morning. I don't get away for lunch until one o'clock. You shouldn't waste your time listening to what Mitzi tells you. I'm afraid she's a pathological liar. So which of them am I to believe? Everyone says that Mitzi tells lies all the time, but why should Philippa Hames say she wasn't in the summer house that morning? I never mentioned any time of day. And I could swear there was a touch of fear in her voice when she heard the word summer house. I think I should like to take a look at Mrs. Hames, and I shall soon have the opportunity. How do you mean, Aunt Jane? I have arranged to stay at Chipping Cleghorn Vicarage for a few days with the Harmons. Is that wise, do you think? Oh, yes. It will be perfectly all right. Bunch's mother and father are very old friends, and it is the most natural thing in the world that I should come and stay with her for a few days, since it is so close to Medenham Wells. Oh, very well, but don't snoop around. Hmm? I have a feeling it isn't very safe. It would be very odd and very noticeable if I didn't. Old women always snoop. Questions about mutual friends in different parts of the world and whether they remember so-and-so and who it was that Lady Thingamajig's daughter married, all that helps, doesn't it? Helps in what way? Helps to find out if people really are who they say they are. Because that's what's worrying you, isn't it? Yes, it is. Everything has changed so since the war. Fifteen years ago, in a place like St Mary Mead or Chipping Cleghorn, everybody knew who everybody was. People had lived there for generation after generation. But it is not like that anymore. Mm. Every village and small country place is full of people who've just come and settled there. And all you know about them is what they tell you themselves. Yes, that's certainly part of the problem. My mind keeps going back to the oiled lock and bolt on that door. Someone may not be the harmless country neighbour they make themselves out to be. Exactly. And then there are Pip and Emma. Just a couple of names and nicknames at that. Maybe they're just perfectly respectable citizens living somewhere miles away on the continent, but they could be sitting tight in Chipping Cleghorn. What about Patrick and Julia Simmons, for instance? I wonder how long ago it was that Miss Blacklock had seen them before they turned up at Little Paddock's. I'll find out for you, shall I? Now, now, please, don't take any risks. It will be quite safe, Dermot. You really need not worry. I'm going to be away for the next 48 hours. Oh? I shall be in Scotland, talking to Mrs Girdler. Trying to find out a little more about Pip and Emma. And have you warned Miss Blacklock to be careful? I've warned her, but I'm not sure that she'll pay much heed to it. To tell you the truth, I'm far more concerned about you, Miss Marple. Oh. I don't want you putting yourself in any kind of danger. Don't worry about me, Dermot. I can take care of myself. <sighs> and in any case, we do need a little bait to lure whoever it is out into the open. Don't we? In part two of Agatha Christie's A Murder is Announced, Miss Marple was played by June Whitfield. Detective Inspector Craddock, Ian Lavender. Letty Blacklock, Sarah Lawson. Dora Bunner, Judy Cornwell. Julia Simmons, Angela Sims. Philippa Hames, Sarah Rice. Mitzi, Jenny Funnell. A Murder is Announced is dramatized for radio by Michael Bakewell 
and directed by Enid Williams. Mystery Radio presentation. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Please feel free to like and rate this podcast on your favorite app. Also, there's a Nostalgic Mystery Radio YouTube page for your perusal to subscribe to. You can contact me by emailing me at nostalgicmysteryradio at gmail.com. I hope you have a blessed day or evening. And again, thank you for listening. <laughs>